of wisdom. Wisdom is radiant and unfading, and she is easily discerned by those who love her and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her. One who rises early to seek her will have no difficulty for she will be found sitting at the gate. To fix one's thought on her is perfect understanding, and one who is vigilant on her account will soon be free from care, because she goes about seeking those worthy of her, and she graciously appears to them in their paths and makes, meets them in every thought, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to My soul thirsts for you, O Lord my God. My soul thirsts for you, O Lord my God.
A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and even so, through Jesus, God will bring him with those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with the cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds, together with them, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus spoke this parable to the disciples. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, Oh, no. There will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. <laughs> <laughs> 
Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. A couple of things to draw to your attention, as always, dear friends, before going any further. First of all, we want to offer our congratulations, best wishes, and promise of continued prayers for our very own Bishop Douglas Crosby. This Sunday, the 8th of November, marks the 10th anniversary of the day on which he was installed as the Bishop of Hamilton and began to serve us here in this diocese. We have been very grateful for his dedicated and steady and compassionate leadership and shepherding of our people in the diocese and pray that he will continue to have several more years of good health and ability to serve the people whom he has been entrusted with and whom he loves so much. Many of you will have noticed on your way in that the Sunday Missals for use during 2020-2021 are now available for sale at $5 each. Uh, they will not take effect until the first Sunday of Advent, which is the final weekend of this month, but you are welcome to take them at this time. Uh, as you can well imagine, given the continued circumstances under which we labor without having anything in our pew racks, we really do want to strongly urge this year that people purchase and hold on to their own missal. Put your name inside it, bring it to church every week, take it back away with you every week. I think that will probably be the best way to handle that at this time. Our baking ladies have been at it again, and if you will go to the bulletin announcement on the parish website or the printed copy that is on the bulletin board in the entranceway. You will see some of the details of how you can participate in a variety of pies which they are making available. It's a variety, but it's still a fairly limited number and phone calls that you can make, uh, phone uh, numbers that you can call in order to reserve your pies for a bit later in this month to be made available. And again, the Knights of Columbus continue to refer you to their own website, the address of which is on our bulletin and in our own parish website, in order to participate in the virtual turkey roll that is scheduled for Friday, the 11th of December. The last thing that I need to tell you is with great sadness to announce the death yesterday morning, on Friday morning, of Yolanda Fleming. Yolanda is nothing short of a legend here at Holy Rosary Parish. In six more weeks, she would have turned 101 years old. And her contributions to the life of this parish through the Catholic Women's League and in so many other ways are incalculable. We will miss her very much, but we pray that she is taken swiftly home to be with the Lord, and I don't have very much doubt of that. Yolanda's funeral has just been set only a few minutes ago. It is going to be on Saturday, a week from today, at 10 o'clock in the morning. 
and more details of all of this will of course be made available uh, on Smith's Funeral Home website and in the newspaper as the week goes on together with all the necessary restrictions that will accompany that. So please do pray for the repose of her soul and during this month of November we continue to pray for all those we love who have gone before us in death. You know, I had an experience yesterday that caused me to completely rethink how I was going to speak about the scripture, the gospel in particular, that we've been presented with today. Um, I received a message a couple of days ago from a young man in his early 20s from parish that I used to serve and whom I have known since he was a relatively small child, but he's now an adult on the cusp of a career, and uh, he wanted to come to see me, and I had no idea what he would want to speak about, but we had a long walk just on Friday night, and he presented to me a very passionate, that's the only word I can use to describe it, passionate struggle that he has been undergoing with a passage from the Gospels that we're all very familiar with. It's that passage where the rich young man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And as you will recall, that conversation passes through the whole business of keeping the commandments and following the law to the evident desire of this young man to give himself completely and Jesus says, well, in that case, go sell everything you have, give the money to the poor, and come follow me, be my disciple. And he simply could not detach himself from his love for material goods and his clinging to what this world offered. And he turned and walked away, saddened, indeed shocked at the challenge that Jesus was offering him. And this led to a considerable discussion between Jesus and his disciples about what it really means to be his disciple. I must say, I was not expecting to have that kind of a conversation presented to me last night. But clearly, this young man was really grappling with this. And he seemed to really want to struggle with the whole question of how do you know? How do you know what God wants of you? How do you know when and how far to go with having relationship with the material goods of this world and, and the, the things that the world offers? Where is the dividing line beyond which you really must be giving yourself completely away? And it was a fascinating time. We lasted in this conversation well over an hour. And in the end, I must say, that the only thing I could really think of that could perhaps help is to recognize that there is not going to be a one-size-fits-all answer to that question because its application will be to different people in different ways. All of us are challenged by the Lord to be his disciple, and that means a total commitment of ourselves to him. That's not in doubt. That's not a matter of interpretation or of discussion. We are all challenged to that. But exactly how that will play itself out in our lives, individually, within our own circumstances, our own responsibilities, all of that is going to have to be worked out in the depth of one's own conscience 
and you have to be very careful that you're being very honest about it. So I advised him that as far as I can see, the only way to really ever get at a proper answer to that burning question about what do I do about the meaning of my life and my surrender to God is that your first task is to draw closer to him. As you draw closer to Jesus, as you are strengthened in your relationship with him, you will become more attuned to what he wants to tell you. And you will see how it is applicable to your own life, distinct and unique, and be able to respond appropriately. And it's not the kind of thing that will happen overnight. It will take time. I found that this conversation threw a completely different light for me on the story of the gospel that we have today. It's a familiar enough gospel, but I must tell you that it is always a gospel that comes at this time of year. When we're drawing close to the end of the church year, and we're in the month of November, and our whole range of thinking begins to just kind of turn in the direction of you know, the meaning of life, the consummation of our lives, our mortality, the fact of death, the end of the world, all this kind of thing really has a certain poignant feel to it at this time of year and at this time of the end of the church's year. And in this story, of course, um, if you abstract from some of the rather fascinating wedding customs that seem to be the case in those times, like everybody sitting around waiting for the bridegroom, which we're not usually used to thinking, um, not to mention having the wedding start at midnight and all kinds of other things like that. If you, you kind of get a little bit away from those kind of details, you, you can see that Jesus is making really a very straightforward point. You have to be alert, you have to be ready, you have to be someone who is not drowsing away and unable to respond when the moment comes. And Jesus has made this point in various assorted ways. Our life is meant for him, and we cannot think that, all oh, one day we'll get around to being ready for him. The time to be ready for him is right now, and the time to be alert to what he wants of us and to respond to it well is right now. But just like the gospel passage the young man was struggling with, we can say, well, exactly how, and when, and to what degree, and where's the dividing line? And that's going to be a very particular response that we need to make, but an honest and genuine one, not fooling ourselves in any way. I was finding myself reflecting on the significance of the oil. Lamps, of course, in those days needed oil in order to burn. Oil is a very powerful symbol in the life of the church. When we use the sacred oils that you see in their cabinets on the far wall there, they are used in several of the sacraments of the church, and their symbolism ranges all the way from healing balm to consecrating perfume and just about everything in between, depending on what sacrament you're using the oil for, or which oil you're using. But oil can also symbolize very powerfully, both in natural life, industrial life, 
and in the spiritual life. Things like energy, fuel, oil as a symbol of what is giftedness that needs to be made use of. The oil represents that energy that we have, that God gifts us with, in order to do his work and to be his servants. The suggestion is that the oil is plentiful, it is widely available, you can easily have extra flasks of it with you, but you do need to have it, you do need to use it, you do need to keep it going and not to be frittering it away, to be wasting it, or to be, you know, kind of like the person who's riding their car when the gas tank is practically on empty and you think, oh, I can go another few dozen, another few scores of kilometers until, of course, you run out entirely, like they did of their oil. The oil can also represent besides the power of the energy, it can also represent to some degree the limitation that we have because it is gift. And the grace of God is gift. The oil can represent God's power, his grace, his presence. But we are not the manufacturers of that. We're not the owners of it. We don't create it. It's gift. And that makes me think that oil is a powerful symbol here of the great gift of wisdom. Wisdom that is spoken of so magnificently, so beautifully in our first reading today, personified. Wisdom is there. She's walking with you. She's waiting for you at the gate. She's abundantly available. She wants to be found. She wants to be made use of in order that you can draw close to God and to eternal life. I've never tired of saying that wisdom, for me, is the highest and greatest of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because its best definition is that wisdom is the ability to see with God's eyes, to see the way that God sees. That's not something we can come up with. It's pure gift but he wants to make it available. But we do have to dispose ourselves for it. We have to be willing to receive that gift. We have to receive it in the proverbial flask of oil, so to speak. That means that we have the abundance of that gift of wisdom. And how are we ever going to be able to see with God's eyes if we don't come to know him better? if we don't come close to his heart. Like I said to the young man in my conversation with him on Friday evening, you won't really know how God is calling you to live his command until you come to know him much better. And the only way to do that is by fervent prayer, by honest and genuine pouring ourselves out before him, and if we're confused, if we don't know something, if we're not sure how we're supposed to make decisions right now or where to go or what direction, well, ask him. Be very honest and very blunt in asking him. He wants that. 
He wants that kind of conversation with us. Give him your doubts, give him your fears, give him your dreams, and let God shower you with all his gifts, and especially that wisdom that enables you to see as he sees. If that happens in our lives, we can be assured that our oil will never run out. There will always be what we need, probably just when we didn't think there was anything left. We discovered that there is all that much more that God has gifted us with to make right decisions and to follow his path. But we absolutely must not allow ourselves to become lazy, complacent, forgetful, or to become so attached to the things of this earth that we forget to keep our focus on God and on his way. As this church year is drawing towards its conclusion, and our thoughts do turn to what we would call matters of ultimate concern for ourselves, for our church, for the world, we ask the Lord to guide us, especially when we're not sure which way we're going, and he will do so with the light of his wisdom and the power of his love to help us to grow ever more and more to be like him. We hope that our podcasts have been inspiring. And now, our pastor, Father Martin, offers a few closing words. Thank you for joining us. I offer a special greeting to members of our parish family unable, by sickness or other reason, to worship with us in person, and to anyone visiting our parish via these podcasts. Please share the readings and homilies with others by inviting them to our website, where they can find them all, day by day. To learn more about our parish community, please visit our website at holyrosaryburlington.com and be sure to share our site with family and friends. We do look forward to hearing from you, so please email us with your comments. And thank you for your prayers and support.